I'm a little teapot. <laughs> oh no. Show is never going to start. <laughs> this is going to be the show that never starts. Be 45 minutes of this. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to any of the listeners out there. I apologize. We just could not get started today. This is going to be the whole show. <sighs> I think they make a pill for that. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is sponsored by Harvest. I use them for tracking work and invoicing clients. You can get a 30-day trial at getharvest.com. Use the offer code RR after your 30-day trial to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. We also have Evan Light. Yes, I'm still here. We also have Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? And I'm Charles Maxwood from teachmetocode.com. And uh, this week we have two um, requests that we're going to try and cover here. Uh, the first one is, where do I find clients in a co- that can afford me? And the kind of the subtext on that is, I've had a lot of success starting out freelancing on Elance. Now that I've raised my rate significantly, it seems like nobody can afford me. Doesn't, doesn't seem like Odesk clients can afford me either. Now what? And then the other one that we're going to try and get into as well is, yeah, I'd be interested in hearing how you get your first clients. So, because we thought they were kind of related. Yeah. So for me, I mean, Elance and Odesk, I, it just kind of, to me, feels like you're looking in the wrong place. It's a contraindication of how to be a freelancer. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> Right. And, and I've also, you know, I hear people talk about Odesk and freelance and it's like, hey, if you want to get uh, some work done for cheap, then you go to Odesk or Elance and you hire somebody off of there. And so to me, the thought of going to one of those places, yeah, it is. It's a race to the bottom because people are going, going there to figure out how to get the do- job done for the least amount of money possible. And, and right. that's their metric. Rather than right. getting so it not, done right. They're not interested in quality, which is what a lot of us would like to turn out, quality product. And if you don't care about quality product, great. Try Elancer Odesk. If you do care about quality product, then you probably don't want to be on there because you're being associated with other people who, do, who are just trying to be cheap. Yep, exactly. So then where should they be looking? I mean, we've talked a lot about doing marketing and kind of building your online presence and stuff. But let's say you don't really have any of that. You don't really have a, a, a marketing funnel yet. I mean, what, what can you do? Well, you, th- you think local, right? Um, one of the things you start with is, you know, who do you know? And if you're a Rubyist and if you're involved in the community, if you're not involved in the community first, you should be. Second, if you're involved in the community, you probably go to a user group. You talk to people in the user group and say, hey, who's looking for people? Who, who, who has work that needs to get done? There are invariably lots of companies who are looking to hire full-timers. If they can't get full-timers, often they will take a contractor for some finite period of time. So it's a place to start. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it before, like a good way to get started is to try to subcontract. I mean, don't necessarily try to chase the clients, like the actual end clients, but try to find other developers who are freelancing and who might have like overflow work or where they might need just an extra hand on something. and you know, become buddies with them and see if they can kind of toss you a project here and there. And a lot of times what from the groups that I'm in, 
it'd be like really short term, quick turnaround work. Like, hey, I need something done in the next two or three days. One of my developers is sick. Can anyone, you know, fill 10 hours of work? Stuff like that. So being, you know, in good context and just kind of like, you know, business associates with a few of them, that's that's a good way to kind of pick up a little bit of work here and there. And it'll also kind of expand like your knowledge and your network. Yeah. In fact, um, one of my uh, first clients, in fact, it was my first client after I went freelance full time. Um, that's basically what happened was I went to lunch with the other guy that got laid off from the same company the same time I did <laughs> and uh, a few other folks and we were all chatting and it came up that there was a local company that was looking for um, somebody to come and um, help them on a contract that they were trying to fill. And so, yeah, it worked out real well that, uh, you know, I was able to work for them for a few months. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it definitely works. Um, in fact, I have people in the local community now who are considering going freelance who are coming to me and asking me if I have stuff that I can subcontract to them. So, And that's kind of how I got my first work, too. It was uh, from going to Ruby D Camp and from running Ruby D Camp. I mentioned, you know, I'm looking for I'm starting freelancing. I'm looking for works. Anyone have some and sat down with a few different people who were attending. And, and out of that came subcontracting. That was my first gig. Yep. So being so being in a place where there are other developers or being in a place where there are businesses who have work. So user groups, conferences, that sort of thing. Yeah. The community. That, that's another thing that um, was really interesting. I was talking to Mike Moore. Um, he runs Mountain West Ruby Conference out here and, you know, does a lot of stuff in the community. And he went to RailsConf and spoke on uh, presenters and decorators. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting thing was... I was, I was talking to him before the conference and he was saying, well, I have this um, sort of part-time client that I'm doing work for now that I had lined up before I, you know, lost my last job. And, um, and then I'm, you know, he was at, talking to me and a few other people saying, you know, I, I could really use work. Well, he went to Root RailsConf and uh, by the time he left, he was so flush with work that he, he now has more work than he can handle. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, you know, you, you do, you go out to these events, you talk to people and if, if they have the work and they have an urgent need to get it done, they're not going to screw around bringing you on board. And so they'll bring you on and they'll pay you what you want. One thing I want to point out, like we're mostly talking like local stuff, like, you know, get out and meet people and that's good. But if you're in an area that doesn't have Ruby developers or, you know, maybe you are in a different country and it's just there's not many programming jobs out there, but you want to be not doing the Elance ODES thing. You can do some of this virtually. You can get involved with like, you know, Rails, the open source projects. Um, you know, you can try to do like some screencasts and, you know, the general marketing stuff and that can work. It might take a bit longer just because it's not the face-to-face -face contact, but, you know, don't be dismayed if you're like, you know, you're in Antarctica and there's no other Rails developers there and there's no user group in Antarctica, like Antarctica RB or something. Now, isn't Antarctica in the middle of Maryland, Evan? Yeah, basically. So, uh, no, I, I was, obviously I was going to talk to that one because I spent my first two months looking for work, well, looking for work. Um, and it was because I live way out here where I'm disconnected from a lot of folks. So it was really Ruby D Camp um, that helped me find work. But it was go to Decamp, tell people I'm looking, get work. That's simple. If I had more events, I probably would have found the work faster. Yep. 
Yeah. One other thing that, that occurred to me when Eric was talking about getting involved in the community virtually is just join some mailing lists and help people out. Yeah, there's that. You know, and then just make sure that when you sign the emails, you know, just let people know, you know, that you're a freelancer. Um, you know, you can even put something in there that says, you know, I'm, I'm looking for work or I have time available right now or something. And, uh, you know, if somebody has something that can fill that time, then, then by all means. But yeah, um, it seems like at least for me, most of my leads come through uh, the networking, the networking and community involvement that I've got. Eric, gonna say anything or Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff just wandered off for a second and got quiet. Yeah. So this is usually, yeah, there you go, Chuck. I was gonna say this is usually where you change the top. Yeah. So um, I mean, we talked about this before. We talked about keeping the pipeline full and things like that. Um, what so? What, what kinds of things do you guys do for marketing? I know we've gone over a lot of this before, but uh, just to give people an idea of some of the things that they can, you know, run and do and, and, you know, and build things up that way. Well, let's see. I've tried to start a user group out here, but there just aren't enough nerds of any kind. Although, frankly, that wasn't for marketing. That was, please, 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 I want to find some people remotely like me. Um and Decamp also didn't start for marketing purposes at all, but it's been incredibly helpful that way. Speaking at conferences is a great way to get your name out there. Um, one of the really popular ones lately uh, that I have not participated in, but Eric can talk to, is write an ebook. And Eric doesn't have to unmute himself or anything and talk about that. No, I just, I mean, it's hard when you go to like a big project like writing an ebook because it could end up being like, oh, I can't freelance and start my business and start marketing until I finish this book. And, you know, there's the story of everyone has a half-finished novel in their desk drawer. So, I mean, what I did when I got started is I got involved in a forum. I think it was the Freelance Switch Forum back when it got started. So it was actually really small. Um, just talking to people, trying to help out, asking questions. And then from there, you kind of wander off to a couple blogs of some freelancers and Basically, I just got connected to a couple of people that needed some work and one thing turned into another and they ended up hiring me for a couple of projects and a couple of years later, I'm still working for them on things. So, I mean, some of it's kind of the serendipity type stuff, but, you know, it's just you got to get out, put yourself out there and do things. And for me, I was blogging a little bit here and there and I actually went to other sites and would comment on stuff or try to help people in forums. And all of those things are actually really easy to do. They're going to take a bit of time, but when you get started, like you have more time than you have work. So that's actually something to, to get started with. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. You know, you, you just get people's attention and uh, hopefully you get the right people's attention. Um, one thing that I've seen too is with the podcasts. Um, I get a lot of work from those. Um, interestingly enough, one of the podcasts that has yielded me the most, the most work and the most lucrative work is actually the rails coach podcast, which is one that I do by myself. And, um, the thing that's interesting about that is that I tend to get people who are trying to, um, move from some other technology to rails. Mm -hmm. And so that what they do is they start thinking, well, I'm a smart technical person. And so they, they go and they start listening to rails coach and they start to realize, well, you know, it's going to take me a little bit of time to come up to speed. And so if I bring somebody in that already knows rails and I can work with them, then I can, you know, I can get up to speed more quickly. And uh, at the same time, you know, we can get the project moving. And so that's worked out for me just in the sense that, uh, you know, 
obviously if they're listening to my podcast and thinking that they're going to call me up and say, Hey, you know, do you have some time to either, you know, coach or mentor me as I build the project or they'll call and see if I have time to just work on the project. And then, you know, when, when they have a few free cycles, you know, we sit down for a half hour or an hour and go over some of the stuff that they're doing on the parts that they're working on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really paid off for me. So I'm sorry. I don't know something to say. Oh, Jeff. Oh my God, Jeff, please talk. So I'll go back to, I guess what Eric is saying. I mean, in the beginning, we're talking about getting a first client and I've had a lot of deja vu with the show. I mean, it feels like we've done this before, but yeah, we have getting, getting the first client. I mean, I forget who says it. I don't know if Ramit, Ramit says it or uh, who it was, but I mean, write down a list of everybody, you know, and tell them what you're doing and somebody in your network or your friends of friends network will have worked for you. I mean, that's if you're a, social outcasts haven't done anything and don't know where to start that's where to start type thing but podcasts and screencasts and organizing on conferences and speaking at conferences and all this stuff i mean that's well beyond first client type stuff yeah and that, yeah so i mean when you're so if you've exhausted your friends of friends network i mean i think eric is sort of where i'd start next i mean Pick an open source project or hang out on Stack Overflow or one of the other question sites, Quora or whoever. I mean, and just help people and demonstrate that you have an ability to solve a problem and understand what people are asking, even if they don't ask it the right way. And you'll get attention that way. Yep. So, I mean, that's an easy way to start. Yep. And that the big deal there is... I mean, and you look at Stack Overflow and you look at some people that have reputation scores of like 100 bazillion or whatever, and you've, you're starting out with nothing or one point because you registered or whatever. I mean, it's got to be a regular activity. I mean, you can't, marketing can't be, well, today I'm going to market for the month because you will kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, so you have to schedule it and do a, on a regular basis. Let's say there's something I heard. It's marketing is not an event. It's a process. Yes. So if you really think about that, and even if your process is only 10 minutes a day, doing it every day, that's going to build up over time. You know, don't try to like, oh, I'm going to spend Friday and market all day Friday because that won't work. Trust me, I've tried it. It doesn't work. You're going to blow the book club here because that's part of Get Clients now. Yeah. Yeah. and, And yeah, maybe we should bring that up. I was going to bring it up at the end of the show, but we can bring it up now. We, we're going to start doing a book club. Um, and the first book we're reading is Get Clients Now. Um, we'll probably do the review sometime in June. We're hoping to be able to get the author, CJ Hayden, on. But we, we just we just don't know. We, we haven't been able to contact her yet. So, um, you know, we've reached out. But anyway, we'll let you know. And we, it may just be us talking about it. But still, I think that'll be uh, beneficial and interesting. Um, one, one other thing that I want to talk a little bit about is what, what do the clients that can pay you your rate look like? I mean, are they, are they bigger companies? Are they, are they the one, the guy with the idea that has a little bit of money? Um, you know, they're referrals, right? And they're none of the other stuff. I mean, they could be, but you probably, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to work with 
some of them. But uh, so I forget who said it. Uh, John Jantz, maybe, and the referral engine, or Michael Porge, or somebody. I mean, everybody says it. But <clears throat> when you're when you're referred to someone by an external source, then you've already jumped the stage of having to be vetted and. A friend is telling another friend or a colleague is telling another colleague that, hey, you've got to get this guy. He just did something for me and it was awesome. And at that point, it's it should be a no-brainer for them to basically pay you what you want or what, or what your value is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And so part of the marketing is, you know, doing your best work and providing a high-quality product. Um, the, can you, how, how do you approach, uh, clients in order to get referrals from them? You know, um, do you just ask them if they know anybody or does it usually happen more organically than that? There's a, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It shouldn't happen organically. I mean, it can, but I mean, it, this is a process like everything else and you need to have systems and I'm horrible at these systems, but you're not the I only read, one. I read a lot, so I know what I should be doing, even though I can't or I'm not doing it. But so there's, uh, you can set an expectation at the beginning of the relationship. Uh, say, all right, we're going to do this project, and if thing work, things work out, I'd, I'd really like to get two or three colleagues of yours that might need a similar service to what I'm doing. Uh-huh. So that's one way to do it is to set the expectation at the beginning. Another way to do it is... Uh, sort of when you wrap up the project, uh, there was a there have been a bunch of articles in the last month or so about um, like a project review or uh, I'm trying to the like retrospective closeout exactly retrospective. I couldn't come up with a scrum term right away, but so there's there's that you do a review, you do a customer survey, actually find out you know, the scrum stuff, what you did right, what you did wrong, what, what you should do differently type stuff. So you get better, but then at the same time, if they're happy, I mean, that's got to be a caveat. So if they're happy with what you've done, then that's the perfect time to to ask for a referral too. I mean, you just delivered their mm-hmm. project and it's under budget and early and they're going to recommend you to anybody they can think of. So, and then milestone releases, same type deal. It's like we've, we've hit this or do it on a... So milestones another thing, and then I've seen somebody else say to schedule it in your marketing. Like if you have clients, and even if they're not, uh, you're not working with them, so you warm them up. Like it's like this twelve. Uh, the real estate people call it like twenty four touches or something, or or twelve touches a year for prospects. And so you send the. They're all into the direct mail stuff. So you send like a postcard about something, and then you send. Uh, one one month, and then a couple weeks later, you send something else. But the same idea uh, online. If you have, if you put people in a newsletter somehow that doesn't look like a newsletter, all your clients and or email them individually. However, you want to do that. But so you pick out a link that's relevant to them. So I've got a client in the photography space, and he hosts a ton of stuff on easy to so i'm sure he'll see the email from amazon that said uh, the s3 rate has just dropped another fraction of a cent or whatever but i mean if i just forward the email or forward the link and say hey i know this will affect your bottom line just want to make sure you're aware of it or whatever the case may be you find a link that's relevant to them send it over and then uh, it doesn't just have to be a link but as you 
keep the communication with them, then you can schedule in, hey, do you, do you, have you heard of anybody recently that's looking for X? And give them a specific X because people don't do well with generic Xs. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that point too, where you're, you're, you're being specific. So you're, you're effectively, uh, you know, trying to prompt them for specific things that they may have heard or been aware of. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to key off the, I mean, if you've ever been to BNI, uh, uh, business networking international or business, something international, but it's basically a lead group and uh, they've had some interesting requirements, but part of the thing is you're supposed to be very specific. Like, if you're a landscaper and it's whatever, April or something, I want to know about any of your neighbors that have an entirely brown yard or something. Or So they oh yeah, this person, instead of, I'm interested in somebody that wants lawn work done because that's right. too many people. Right. Do you have any neighbors? Do you have broken sprinklers? Or Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, what kind of specific things can we shoot for as uh, freelancers? Do you have any uh, examples? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. I mean, uh, we're in an interesting place, uh, especially if you try to look for like a Ruby slant on things or a Rails slant on things because then it's so fun. The... Project rescuing that a lot of us do, at least Evan and I do a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> and that's that's not something that people brag about generally. I mean, uh, so. I don't know. It, I kind of enjoy it sometimes. It, no, I mean, not depends. our side. Not our no. side of it. Oh, yeah. The clients don't want the to. Clients, the client doesn't want to brag that their project is swirling the drain for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to brag about the poor engineering or poor business decisions that resulted in poor engineering decisions. Yeah. Or right. poor management and no communication, all that stuff. So you have to. Right. You'd have to come up with a more clever way. Have you. I want to know if of anybody that you've heard bitch about how slow their developers are to get something done. Right. And that's that's something that people would complain about. It's like, oh, this dude's taking forever. I should have delivered this thing two months ago or something. And that's a cue that something's going on, probably communication problem. And you may or may not be able to help them. But you're going you're gonna to be able to zero in on that a whole lot faster than you are going to find somebody to admit or even want to talk to somebody about is you is your project dead yet or well we're getting a little into a rat hole but that that said that's a discussion i have with a lot of my rescue clients that they become rescue clients because they they are dissatisfied with the other developer their current developer and they're usually the usually the core of their dissatisfaction Dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. Core of their dissatisfaction. I, I like I, dissatisfaction. <laughs> Core of their dissatisfaction is um, that they have poor communication with their 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 contractor. They just don't recognize that it's poor communication. They're just not getting feedback of any kind. They're not seeing software coming out. They don't know why they're not seeing software coming out. And I think a lot of it's not knowing. Um, although the, the the answer might be because the contractor's not doing work, um, but the answer might also be for very legitimate reasons, and people and the contractor just isn't communicating effectively. So very often I'll get people clients or leads who talk to me, people who who might become clients, 
Um, and ultimately, it comes down to making them feel comfortable with the fact that I will communicate with them effectively. And mm-hmm. I try very hard to with my clients. I want to make sure they know how things are going. Um, but we talked about this on the last podcast, by um, which Chuck may have lost entirely, by the way. Uh, so you may never get to hear it. <laughs> Well, we'll have to re-record it if if I can't find it. But yeah, re-record the whole thing, right? Yep, the last episode. <laughs> but yeah, um, and and communication is is a big deal too. Um, huge deal, and and not just in um, in maintaining the client relationship, but in setting it up in the first place. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, if you can't communicate well what you offer and and what you're going to be providing to your client then it makes it really hard for you to, uh, you know, to, to land the sale and coming back to the Odesk and Elance, um, stuff. I mean, their systems really aren't set up for communication. They're set up for you to, again, to just find that guy that's cheap and like rapid fire, you know, instructions at him. I need this done. I need this done. I need this done. You know, this is what I don't like. Go fix it. And, you know, and that's about it. You know, it, it really doesn't open up the channels that you get when you're, you know, going out of your way to make sure that you understand what they need and, and things like that. And, you know, the expectation isn't there in those systems that you have that. So in terms of getting clients that afford you, part of it, I think, is also a matter of setting – not getting first clients, but getting clients that can afford you, that that half, is is setting the client's expectation before they, they even communicate directly with you. Um, for example, that could be – that doesn't mean t- necessarily telling them your hourly rate directly before they even meet you or putting it on your website, though you can do that too. Um, but that can also be by – indicating past clients you've worked with on your website, the quality of your website itself. I'm talking, and I'm mentioning website a lot because oddly I've gotten a lot of good hits from my website lately and I haven't done much to to optimize it for search engines or what have you. Yeah, I mean, that's, I've seen some great developers with really shitty websites and they do pretty good. And I know some that are doing really good, but I've, um, I have a contact for my website and it sends me an email and in the email are it's like, you, you know. My, are you saying my website's shitty? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah. But the thing is, it's like, I have a contact form and it has like a little thing. So like, this is the, you know, 50th, 60th time someone's contacted you. About 80% of the time when people contact me, they're leads. And I think right now I'm up to like 200, maybe 250 leads that I have never met. They found me somehow online or found my work, came to my website, sent me an email through the contact form saying, hey, I want to hire you. So having even a nice, simple website with a contact form can go a long ways, especially with the developers who have like a Yahoo email address, don't have a business name or kind of fly by night type thing because a website and kind of the professional side is going to be like a really big trust builder. And if you're going to be going after clients who are going to pay, you know, market rates, they need to be able to trust you as a business. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, you have to, you have to demonstrate that you're, that you're worth it and that, you know, if they pay you that they're going to get what they're paying for. So this comes back to branding to some extent, but um, in terms of finding customers you can afford you, there's also the matter of finding the customers you want to work with, which a subset of that is the customers you can afford you. Um, you don't necessarily want all the customers you can afford you to. Uh, for example, I had a client that I was working with who I, I recently stopped working with, um, and they uh, were 
uncomfortable with the name of my company, Triple Dog Dare. They thought it was too silly and frivolous. And, and, you know, and, 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 and that was about the time when I was realizing, I'm not sure that I really want to be associated with this client either. So um, in, in my case, I'm not really interested in the huge corporate clients because I've worked with the U.S. government. I far prefer working with small companies that, that while they take their business seriously, maybe don't take themselves quite so seriously. And, and I try – and so to me, Triple Dog Dare sort of captures that in the name too. There's a little fun there. Um, so – while I so it's a little bit of a tangent off the finding clients who can afford me. I end up working with a lot of startup clients I mentioned before, um, and I think that name probably resonates with them to some degree, even though I had no intent of that when I picked it. Right. So, so one thing that you're you're talking about there is that you prefer to work with the startup clients, and um, one of the marketing exercises that I've done in the past is to kind of figure out who your ideal client is. Who's your target audience? Right. Same same thing. Same exercise. Right. And so you sit down and you start to kind of flesh out who that one person is that kind of represents your market. And so uh, you may be doing that where you're basically saying, <laughs> Eric, uh, Eric just posted in the chat that made me laugh, buy tripledogdare.ly and you're, you'll double your startup projects. Triple dog dearly. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yes, because I really want to do a main, I really want to do a main name in in uh, Libya. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so so um, with most uh, products, you know, you're trying to figure out who that one person is, and with with companies, it's kind of the same thing because companies have personalities. But the other thing is, is you know, figure out who the person in the company is that's going to come looking for you. Right. And so you you can kind of narrow down. Okay, it's going to be this marketing manager that. Uh, that is, you know, he's in his, you know, late thirties that, you know, does this kind of thing. And, you know, he has two kids and a wife, but, uh, you know, at work he's dealing with these kinds of issues and these kinds of problems. And so, so then what you can do is you can start to, to market those, um, you can market toward what he or who he is and what he's after and, you know, really kind of put yourself in his position and figure out, um, where, you know, what, what problems he's trying to solve. So then you can market toward those. And, and so then those are the things that hopefully he's Googling or, or working toward, and you can address those on your website and in your blog and uh, your marketing materials can draw him in. So that's, uh, that's basic copywriting, right? I mean, don't, don't write to everybody because you reach nobody, write to a single person. Yep. Exactly. One specific individual. And it's the same with, um, Oh, the whole train of thought just left me. <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you're putting together a well-defined um, persona that represents the, the market that you're trying to reach. Yep. So, okay, here's the question kind of what could people do right now if they're getting started and they want to like either it's their first client or kind of their, their first, you know, market client versus like the, you know, $5 an hour outsource. What could people do right now to kind of get started on that? I mean, that's kind of hard. I think one of the big things is just go talk to other people who are, um, sort of in the market that you want to be in. And, uh, I mean, some of them are going to have overflow. Some of them might be able to subcontract to you. But I mean, those are the people that you really want to be reaching out to. And then also go and talk to some of the local companies that uh, have people in your user group and what have you and see if you can make a connection there. Because um, 
it's amazing to me how many of these companies out here that do Ruby or Rails that are desperately trying to find people to hire. And so you may be able to fill in in the in the interim and just, you know, say, look, you know, here's my rate. Um, you know, I can kind of fill in on your team um, until you find somebody permanent. And, uh, you know, just I mean, just just chase the opportunities and there's a chase the opportunities. And that's um, it's funny because I was going to say there's got to be business in picking up the slack that GitHub leaves by hiring everybody. <laughs> well, GitHub yeah. and Groupon and Living Social. Right. I mean, it's like, so the ambulance chasers, we just follow around everybody that got, <laughs> got hired by GitHub and look for the clients that are left crying or whatever. Right. So go to Relevance, I guess, because they're probably looking for contractors because Rob Sandheim got hired by GitHub. <laughs> sort of a bunch of people. They just announced like three or four people a couple of days ago. Yeah, I know. Rob was just one of them. So they're slowing down on their hiring? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you guys don't work for GitHub yet? I can't say. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> no. But yeah, so so th- those are my ideas. Are, in, are there any other things you guys can think of that people can do right away that may result well, I mean, in... that's more actionable. I mean, I, you actually said a lot of stuff there, but I mean, the actionable thing is sort of to Eric's point. I mean, it's not buy a domain and get a business card and write up a website with flawless marketing copy. It's identify a user group to go to or four or five businesses in the area or three or four people that you haven't talked to and then talk to them. Yeah. It's called reach reach out to your, reach out to your current network, reach out to people, you know, reach out to the local programming community. Yep. And I'm going to one up you guys here. Instead of saying reach out or do this, make it a thing where every day you contact two people. Two new people, whether it's through email, phone, or going and meeting, contact two. You're, you're just you're just robbing from from get clients now already. Well, no, that's more never eat alone than get clients now. But the process is get clients now. The content and subject material is definitely never eat alone. So have coffee or get lunch with uh, somebody else new every day. Can we do split personality uh, book clubs? Where we simultaneously simultaneously review multiple books at the same time. No, we don't even do that. We just reference where all the ideas came from because none of them are new. Never eat clients now. Yes. (laughs) Unless you're in New Guinea, maybe. Anyway. So is Never Eat Alone another book or are you just saying in general? No, Never Eat Alone is another book. Um, It's basically about networking. Um, I'll find it for the picks, but... All right, cool. Speaking of picks, I think we're about out of time, so we'll go ahead and uh, and do the picks. Eric, yeah. do you want to start us off? Sure. Okay. Um, so my pick, it's a recorded presentation from WebSock. Uh, looks like WebSock 2012. Uh, Scott Hanselman did it. Um, it's kind of a, a talk's called, It's Not What You Read, It's What You Ignore. Um, it's kind of like developer productivity stuff. The... I guess the biggest interesting part of it that I heard was he said that if you really sit down and think about it, you actually have a finite number of keystrokes before you die. And so he was referencing the idea of like, you have to reply to every email and you're basically writing like essays to every person privately versus doing a blog post. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of interesting in that, like if you sat down and figured like how many words per minute you type times, how old you are and standard life expectancy you have a number of this is how many keys you can actually press before you're dead 
And so it's kind of a perspective thing for me. And it was kind of interesting. Stop pressing keys. Cool. You, so yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, or do you have any other picks or is that it? Uh, just that. Okay. Eric or Evan, what are your picks? Let's see. Um, one of the first one is, uh, clout. Sorry, cat trying to knock things over in my office. That's not my pick though. I definitely don't pick cats trying to knock things over in my office. Um, cloud app. Um, you scare me, Eric cloud app, uh, which I will admit is, um, partially maintained by a friend of mine, uh, Larry Marburger. But, um, it's a app that I've been using very frequently this week to rapidly communicate screen caps to a client I'm working with. Um, one of the features I really dig is you can just on uh, in OS 10 do Command Shift 4 to get the the operating system screen grab uh, utility and just select an area and then what it'll do is it'll automatically upload whatever you selected to Cloudly and the next thing it does after that is it puts the URL that, it, that it's available on in your clipboard automatically. So after you upload it, all you have to do is paste and you're pasting the URL. So I've been using that a lot to share um, screenshots of things that have been changing a lot with a client. So, and it's pretty cheap too, so recommend that. Um, and second thing is a lot of these screenshots have been drawn using something called RubyViz, which is a wrapper around um, a library for JavaScript called ProtoViz, which is an incredibly powerful uh, charting library. It's amazingly easy to use. You can get some really cool stuff out of it with very little work. Um, I only really just started using it in anger today, and I was generating really nifty stuff inside of an hour. Um, and with very little code, it was just a matter of getting the hang of it. Um, and that's it. All right, cool. What What are your picks, Jeff? All right, so uh, I'm surprised Evan didn't mention Ruby Motion again after everything last week that happened with Ruby Motion. So that I had potentially okay, that as Ruby a Motion. pick. Ruby Motion, I mentioned it. Fine. I had it as a pick, but I ignored it because I figured Evan Doorbell. would have mentioned it. Doorbell. So there's uh, Rails Factory has collected a huge list of stuff that people have been playing with um, with Ruby Motion. It's sort of like a daily, updated daily catalog version of what runs, what doesn't run on his machine. So if you're interested in Ruby Motion and what you can do with it, that's definitely a cool place to check out. Uh, the second one is a book, a different book than Never Eat Alone, but so it's worth every penny. I forget where I saw this at, but it's basically uh, to go against the mindset that you have to charge less to earn more, basically to get more clients and all this other stuff. The idea that everybody, everybody that's a freelancer, solo business owner, mom and pop shop, whatever, is a boutique shop and boutique shop, boutique rates. And there's supposed to be more to it. I'm on page eight, so I'll tell you more when I, when I get through it. But uh, it was highly recommended from wherever I saw it, but of course I can't remember where I saw the recommendation. What's it called again? Worth Every Penny. And I have a link to it. Uh, so I actually have two more. This is a busy week for me. GitLab. I don't know if we've mentioned that here or not. GitLab HQ. It's basically an open source clone of GitHub. So where 
uh, Gatorius is an absolute friggin' nightmare to even pretend to install. GitLab just works like a charm out of the box, and it does. I mean, it doesn't do everything that GitHub does, but it's pretty slick looking. Has a lot of the same interface. I mean, you can add, add and manage. It's backed by Gitolite now. It used to be backed by Gitosis, but a really cool open source project. Well done. Uh, I've been using it with. Uh, one of my clients and and so first real exposure I've had to it working with it not just playing with it on my own but it, it's turned out to be a really nice tool and so the last one's a Never Eat Alone which is another book by Keith Ferrazzi and uh, so it's basically how to how to keep in contact with uh, keep in con keep in contact with folks don't waste don't waste your time blah 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 but it's been a while since I've read it. But that's where the idea that Eric had mentioned had come from, or a similar idea. Reach out to a couple of people every day, but same idea. Be social, connect with people. That's where you'll make your real connections. And that's it. All right, cool. Um, I guess I'm next. So one show that I've been getting into lately, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it. I'm pretty sure I've not mentioned it on this podcast. It's called uh, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm laughing because I've seen I think almost all of them, including the old. Well, okay, the old ones too, scary old ones. You're talking about the new ones, right? Yes, I've been watching the new ones. Um, the yeah, old ones try. are on Netflix as well. Yeah, you don't want to try watching the old ones if you started with the new ones. It would hurt. Oh really? Yeah. BBC special effects from like the 1970s and 80s. Oh, it's painful, man. <laughs> oh, it's painful. And the costumes, you'll you might die laughing. Yeah, um, yeah, the new ones are pretty good. Um, I'm almost done with season two, so I'm I'm like nowhere close to uh, caught up. Um, it was funny because I was watching it when I was at uh, RailsConf. I was just trying to unwind after one of the days of sessions and and socializing and stuff. And uh, David Brady saw that I was watching it, and so we wind up wound up having this whole long <laughs> discussion about it. And, and he's like, yeah, well, I really like when, oh, wait, you haven't seen that yet. And it, it, it really went like that, like over and over again. Oh, I don't want to spoil this for you, but this episode's really good. And this doctor's really good. And <laughs> anyway. Well, I haven't, I haven't talked to Dave Brady about Doctor Who. Oh, geez. That's a whole untapped area of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, that's been pretty good. And then the other one that I want to point out is, is really just being involved in the community. Um, the bad wolf. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, that's one thing that's really paid off for me. I actually have a lot of people that I respect here in the local community that are either looking at going freelance or have lost their jobs or something like that. And so it's paid off for me in the sense that I get to find all these, uh, awesome subcontractors that I trust to write great code. Um, you know, I still do the follow up and the code review and stuff and make sure that it's it's the quality that I need it to be because, you know, I don't want to sell crap to my clients. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I find people that I can actually drive down and smack upside the head if they do something stupid, too. So um, it, it's really, really paid off that way. And, you know, I think it works works out well the other way, too, for them. So, um, you know, just get involved, you know, go find your local community. Um, I don't know if there's a good website that lists all the the users groups and Ruby brigade brigades that are out there. But, uh, you know, if you can't find one locally and you can't, 
and you don't know any other local Ruby developers, just just go start one, and you know, hopefully, you're in an area where you can get enough people together to where you can, I mean, even just sit in a um, sit in a cafe or sit in a uh, you know a, a coffee shop and just code with with a couple of other folks. So. Anyway, those are my picks, and uh, uh, with that, just a quick reminder, we are going to be doing the book club, so start reading Get Clients Now. Uh, I just want to warn you, if you go on Amazon and look at it, it, it does look like an infomercial book, um, but it, it's it's really good. Um, and uh, other than that, we, we'll catch you all next week. Take care. See you. Later.